Open the door and step inside to a world of practical magic, where we blend the mystical and mundane worlds of the everyday witch. Presented by Wise Woman Witchery and hosted by Emily Morrison and Veronica Wade-Lewis. Welcome to The Witch Next Door. This week, we have a very special guest joining us, and I'm super excited about this. Corby Mitleid is a psychic medium, an author, a certified tarot master, as well as a past life specialist and an ordained minister. And she's here today to talk with us about past lives, which is a topic that uh, is near and dear to my heart and something I'm always interested in learning more about. So I'm really thrilled to introduce you to Corby. Hi, Corby. Hi, it's great to be here. Yay. <laughs> I'm ready to talk about some past life stuff. Cool. So can cool. you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your history around how you got to where uh, you're at? All right. This is what I call the 30 second elevator speech. So all my fans out there who have heard me do this before, <laughs> you know, go get a drink of water. Um, <laughs> when I was nine, I read a book called The Witch Family by Eleanor Estes. And I thought, cool, here's magic in the world. I want to go find it. Fast forward to 1973, when I was a senior in high school, working at Spencer Gifts part-time. That was the year Live and Let Die came out with Jane Seymour as the reader. They had the James Bond 007 tarot deck and I bought it cause we were all hippies then. You had your elephant bell bottoms and your fringe jacket and your deck. Five years later, everybody else moved on to roller skates and disco balls. I was still messing with the cards cause I loved the stories that they told. Mm -hmm. So for 20 years, I read for friends, just making sure my ego was out of the way and I was a clear channel for what was coming down. All of a sudden in 1994, I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people. That's when I put out my shingle. Meanwhile, I was still doing other things, actress, author, inspirational speaker, video producer, legal assistant, writer for a graphic novel series, executive recruiter. 9-11, my husband and I watched the towers burn and he said, he looked at me and, and I said that I needed to do this work full time. People would need to know there are other answers out there. He said, I believe in you, go do it. So for one more year, I worked 70 hours a week corporate, did this evenings and weekends. Once I was sure I could make a living at it, closed the door in corporate, never looked back. I now do six days a week, 14 hours a day, read a thousand people a year, and I get to get up every morning. I don't have to get up every morning. That's a gift. Yeah, that's amazing. Isn't it wonderful to follow your bliss and actually like find your spot? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So many people think that's a pile of horse hockey, but it really isn't. No, I um, agree. Really quickly, when I was in 1995, I was in Atlanta working at a law firm, hated it. Just because I wanted to know what I wanted to do, I wrote my job once. You know, boom, every, and I got so ridiculous considering what I was doing. Things like I want an office with an friendly resident cat. Uh, I want to dress up or down depending on what I want. I want a business that puts good out into the world. I want to be able to use my radio voice and on and on and on and on. 10 years later, I found that list and sat there in shock. I had gotten every single freaking thing on that weird list. So anybody tells you that can't happen, I'm here to tell you not the truth. Yes. Well, I'm glad you're here to tell us that because I think we all need reminders and, mm -hmm. and that's a great story. <laughs> yep. It always helps when somebody lives what they tell you. Yes, absolutely. 
So I hear the tarot piece as a thread throughout your whole journey. And I'm really yeah. curious about how the past life piece came in. Well, you know, a lot of people want to know, what am I supposed to do? What are my spiritual gifts? And the first thing I tell people is we all have some, just like we all have 10 fingers. Um, some people can pick out chopsticks. Some people are out in John. Some people are in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, but when you're figuring out what you want to do in the metaphysical realm, realize that spirit goes rifling through your file cabinet, sees what you got. Okay. For instance, a lot of people use pendulum. I don't because I have a slight benign tremor in one hand. I'm not sure I'd be getting the truth. But what's my background? Theater major at Brown. I understand characters. I'm a writer and an author. I understand storylines. And I am a history freak. Have been all my life. My husband and I met at the old Rhinebeck Aerodrome, which is a flying museum in Rhinebeck, New York. They have 1909 Blarios to Barnstormers. And as he says, there was that gorgeous brunette who do the difference between a Fokker DR1 and an F1 based on the wings kid that had to marry her. <laughs> um, and Rhinebeck was where I got one of my biggest hits on a past life. Um, when we went there in 94, uh, 91, that was my old boyfriend then, hadn't met Carl yet. Um, it's right near Woodstock, New York. And I wanted to go to Woodstock and look at candles and all of that. But Rich wanted to go to Rhinebeck and I said, Fine. So we get there. Yes, dear, yes, dear, rusty engines. Yes, dear, yes, dear, old airplanes. Yeah, get me it's nice tea and some popcorn. I'll sit and we'll watch the show. Then can we go to the candles time? And, you know, so the British planes came forward and the French planes came forward and the American planes came forward. And then I saw an Albatross D5 and a Fokker triplane. That's the Red Baron's triplane that Snoopy always fights. Mm -hmm. And a soundless explosion went off in my heart and my head. And as they flew, I said, there's a story behind that. And I flew that one. Now, mind you, I grew up in a Jewish family. So I was terrified of hearing German. I thought all Germans were Nazis. I knew nothing about World War I. Zip. All of a sudden, within 24 hours, I needed to know about the war. I needed to know about the pilots. And I needed to hear and maybe speak some German. Mm -hmm. So what it showed me was two lives ago, World War I pilot. When I did a past life regression, I saw this face, full body, felt the attitude. About three months later, I found this person and read about him in the books and the pictures that were around. Boom. That's when I knew that past lives were a thing. Mm -hmm. um, so Spirit knows that if you're going to another person who may be a good past life person, or you go to me, and we each see the same scene, the other person without my background might say, well, it's a long skirt and a big hat, and it looks like maybe Europe, so I guess it's old fashioned. I would be able to say, okay, that's a hobble skirt. That's a picture hat, that kind of ostrich feather, and you're standing in front of the Brandenburg Gate. This is probably Berlin in 1911. Mm -hmm. Which one's going to give you more information? Mm -hmm. Right. So your history background or your, your enthusiasm for history really helps yes. you to got to be a guide in this process yes. for you and for your clients. Oh, yes. Also got me a husband. My husband was a 23 year director of a museum that was 18th century American history. So, you know, it's been an advantage <laughs> all the way around. Um, but truly that's, that's why I tell people find what you love. There is room mm -hmm. for all of us. Mm -hmm. And Sometimes 
going back into history does help people. Um, you know, I do, I worked with Robert Schwartz in his Life Between Life pre-birth planning series, Your Soul's Plan, Your Soul's Gift, Your Soul's Love. It's one of the two channels that worked on all three books with him. Um, the, each chapter took 20 to 40 hours of work with the part of the psychics to get all that information out. But whereas some people can do mediumship in a gallery, you know, boom, 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 you know, your uh -huh. Uncle Danny, your Aunt Mud, I can do that with past lives. Uh, it's an immediate download, probably because of the history. Two examples. A, one woman came to me and said, I'm really, really worried about my son. He's in his late 20s, but he still won't live more than a mile from me. He says that I have to help him figure out everything. Why is he so desperately attached to me? And I said, okay, World War II, this is Utah Beach. He's one of the soldiers on the beach. He's been pretty mangled by some gunshots. You're his commanding officer. You're shot too, but I see you drag him over a sand dune. You saved both of your lives. And she goes, what? was my rank and I said oh you were a sergeant and she goes he has called me Sarge since he was three and we never knew where that came from wow two a woman came to me and she's you know like from Des Moines Iowa out there torn fed nothing to do with civil war but she was always fascinated by the underground railroad mm -hmm. I said all right I'm seeing a small whitewashed room a lower ceiling so that the men who were standing in it kind of have to bend over. You're kneeling by this little rickety iron bed with a very weasoned old dying black woman in it. I see you dressed about 1862 or three. It's gray serge. There's black soutache around as trim. Um, and all of you are, are grieving because you had come to really love this woman and she was just not going to be able to make it to Boston, which would have been the end of the railroad for her. And I opened my eyes and this woman has tears rolling down her face. And she says, I've had that dream for 20 years repeatedly. I didn't know what it was. That's why I do what I do. You come to me and say, oh, I think I was Anne Boleyn because I can't wear turtlenecks. No, honey, I march you right back out the door. It doesn't work like that. So when you come up with this, like when this information comes through you, mm -hmm. is there information that you also can give people to maybe work with some of that wounding? So for example, when you told the story about the mother and son, mm -hmm. is there information that came through because now they have the story to go with that? Is there a way they can heal that in this life? It doesn't come through that way. It comes through okay. with me. I work with them afterwards. Um, you know, frankly, being a reverend means I know how to do pastoral counseling. Uh -huh. I've also worked for many years with uh, information I learned from the Option Institute in Massachusetts, stimulus belief response. Um, I, the people need to know, what am I ex about? What am I afraid of, let's say? Why am I afraid of that? What do I think would happen if I stopped being afraid about that? And I help people realize it's not gonna happen again in this lifetime. I've only run into once a repeated death, one life after another. And that was uh, another pilot who died in 1918, uh, World War I, and immediately came back born in 18 or 19 and um, died in Vietnam flying a bomber. Mm -hmm. So that was a particular karma for that person. But no, it doesn't happen. For instance, I came in this life with vertigo. So I can't be a pilot. I'm supposed to do different things. Mm -hmm. 
So yes, do we work with it? Yeah, if they want to. If they say, great, now I know what to do with it, then, you know, great, we go on to another subject. I don't have to impart my wisdom to them if they think they've got it. I encourage people to believe in their own abilities, their own learning. And, and I'm also curious about how, when we're obviously, like you just said, we're not necessarily moving this through the same path with each life. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and is your belief that part of the reason we come back with a different path is that we are working through some of that old stuff, but in a new way? Yes. Yes. Okay. I mean, when people say, do I really have a past life? I look at them and I say, <laughs> are you kidding? None of us are smart enough to get it all done in one petunia. That's your booties you have. So um, what happens is, let's take a look at the um, pilot from World War I. He was a wonderful pilot and a great teacher and he had a fiance that loved him and, and his um, pilots looked up to him when he was commander, but he was rapidly anti-Semitic. But all Germans were at that point. One of my specific memories is when he was introduced to a pilot named Wilhelm Frankel, who was Jewish and was the only Jewish pilot to get the Blue Max, the Pour Le Marie, which was the top award that the Kaiser could give to a pilot. And he stuck his hand out and I remember putting my hands behind my back and giving him a very curt nod, wouldn't even touch him. Well, I was born into a Jewish family this time. So I would learn about what it is to be Jewish. Uh -huh. Not as punishment, but unbalanced energy, which is one of the five things that Robert Schwartz says we learn through karma. Karma is not carrot and stick. That's the kindergartner's way of looking at it. And that's the meanie human. Well, karma's got to get you for doing that to me. No, grow up. Mm -hmm. Karma is unbalanced energy, which is a neutral, healing, service, contrast. If you want to learn about abundance, you need both rich lives and poor lives and healing of beliefs. This was, this life was partially a healing of beliefs with Jews are bad. No, Jews are not bad. Jews are Jews. And with me, it was also healing because most of the time I come in, in a male incarnation, I do my mm -hmm. really tough work as females. And this lifetime, I had to learn that a woman's body is to be respected. It doesn't have to be a bargaining chip. You can love everything about yourself, not just the body. And it took me decades to learn it. It's one of the reasons that part of my pre-birth plan was a trip trigger of cancer so that I got it. Mm -hmm. um, I finally got it and, you know, when in 2004, I had a second primary and spirit said, look, we really need you to stay down there to do the teaching. You can't get past this. We're going to remove the problem. So I had double mastectomy and reconstruction. I went from a, literally a Dolly Parton figure, slap a brunette wig on Dolly, and that was me, to a fat fire plug with permanent side effects to learn who I am without the rack. Mm -hmm. All of the teaching that I've done, all of the compassion that I have for my clients, would it have been there without it? Don't know. Don't know. So that's why I say you have to live the examined life. The examined life is, okay, this thing happens, and maybe it sucks, but it's there. What can I learn from it? For me specifically, how can I teach with it? Next. Mm -hmm. That's how you get through it. Mm -hmm. So 
So it's not really just about looking at what's happened in your past lives. It's also about looking at what's happening now. And that's really where the healing work is. Um, yes. The past life might give you information about why things appear a certain way, or you're thinking yes. or feeling a certain way, but the work is now. Yes, very much so. Um, you know, I don't, if people can use it, tell me past life. No, I'm not an entertainment for you. And I'm not a dog that's gonna roll over and fetch. Um, the reason we don't remember our past lives, unless there is importance for us this time, is because if all we're doing is being a janitor in Arlington, Massachusetts, and we found out that we were a famous knight in 1427 and an inventor in 1712 and one of the union generals in 1862, we're gonna just wanna go back and relive when we were wonderful instead of a janitor. Uh -huh. you know, we only remember what is useful for us because your work is here and your work is now. And so in your role, when, I mean, after saying that, I'm curious in your role, uh, yep. knowing that for people, it might, is it always beneficial for you to share with them what comes or do you believe that you get what is important for them to know now? I don't just go fishing. I don't just go blarg. Uh -huh. um, people give me a, a phobia, an obsession, a place they either love or hate that makes no sense. I'm Scots Irish, why do I have this thing about Peru or about uh -huh. a person? For instance, um, I don't know if you know that there are things called first nights. A lot of cities do them on New Year's Eve. Mm -hmm. um, that Okay, well, I did first night Saratoga a okay. couple of years. And it was 150 people for 45 minutes, three shows a night. And I would just get these past lives, boom, boom, boom. But I can't just go, you had this and you had this and you had this. They give me a clue. Uh, one woman said, why am I so obsessed about the 1940s and, and you know the war and things like that. What I picked up was she was one of a very large Italian family and her three brothers all went off to war. And she and her mother and her other sisters were very involved in the USO and you know war bonds and all of that. Um, and it really brought the family together. And when her brother died, who was a pilot, her mother said, we will not wear black because we don't mourn that he died for his country. And so the family in the 1940s decided that sky blue would be their mourning color. And the woman looks at me and she looks down, she opens her coat, she's head to toe in sky blue. She says, it's always been my favorite color. Wow. Okay. And her coat was closed. So <laughs> I couldn't see it. Um, but it's things like that that give people an understanding of why they feel certain ways, why they love certain things. Mm -hmm. Are there scary past lives to talk about? Yes, there are. Sure. But I always remind people, um, it doesn't happen now. First time I, I did one of these fast things, I was talking with Robert uh, at Lilydale, the very famous spiritualist mm -hmm. community in Western New York, and a woman who had butch short hair raised her hand and said, can you tell me why I'm terrified to have wet hair on my face? And I mean, not even a strand and I, I start hyperventilating. I said, all right, got a five syllable answer for you. Lusitania in 1915, you were a passenger on the boat. When it was torpedoed by the Germans, you went over the side, but you had not yet bobbed your hair. It was still the big Edwardian mass, which took on a lot more water and uh, debris got caught and pulled you down and you drowned. Open my eyes, she looks at me and she says, is that why I'm scared of cruise ships? I said, yes, 
very probably, but it's not going to happen again. You can grow your hair and you can go on the trip. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if it can pull those things out and give them more room to live, well, great. Do people ever come back to you and say, hey, you delivered this message to me and here is what I did with it. Or, you know, you read like in this oh, instance, yes. you know, yes. this person came back to you and said, I did it. I went on a cruise and I grew my hair out and I am okay. <laughs> they, they do that. Um, or after the session, they say, this has opened up so much for me. Yeah. This has relieved my fear. It's relieved my guilt, my pain. I understand that I'm a better person. This is just who I was. Because in order to learn everything about being in this human earth school, we've all been saints and sinners. We've all been victims and murderers. There are some lives where you are Mother Teresa and some lives where you're best buddies with Adolf Hitler. I mean, it just is. And it doesn't mean that you are a bad person. Mm -hmm. Because you know how some people say, well, we reincarnate and some people say, well, the Bible says we only live once. Well, they're both right. Okay. The soul comes back time after time after time. Corby, Emily, we get one shot. Mm -hmm. This recipe is never going to be down here again. Okay. And for people that don't get that, I say, okay, well, let me give you an example. I'm going to use the actor, Matt Smith. Matt was the 11th doctor on Doctor Who, the geeky, goofy. I mean, yes, he's my doctor. I love him. Um, but when he was done, he hung up the Doctor Who suit and he immediately turned and went to become Prince Philip in the first two seasons of The Crown, a mm -hmm. very different character. Mm -hmm. But Matt Smith brought both of them to life. So the doctor and the prince were the incarnations Matt's the soul. When I explain it that way, people get it. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm also wondering about soul groups. You mentioned that mother and son combo. Do you think that people reincarnate together frequently? Um, sure. I mean, and this brings us into the difference between soulmates and twin flames. Yeah. Don't okay. come to me and say, I need to know who my soulmate is so I can marry him and have babies. <laughs> Wrong. Soulmates are our core team. For instance, in my life, my father was my best friend. He was a soulmate. Why? Because in other lives, we would come down same generation and friends. But in what I was going to have to go through in this lifetime, I knew I'd need a best friend as a father. So in the pre-birth planning sessions, my soul asked his soul, would you come down and do the father-daughter monad? He said, yes. Um, my spiritual mentor that I was very close to for 25 years, then we busted apart. And now we have reconnected, but on a very different level, so she. Um, my last husband, no. Carl, yes. Mm -hmm. It's again, a team, you don't have to marry him. Twin flames are people like Bogart and Bacall, um, Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor, even Yogananda and Sri Dayamata. It doesn't have to have sex, but they are in each other's lives inextricably. You cannot think of one without the other. That's a twin flame. And you don't always get them. I know who mine is. I know that soul. That soul is discarnate in this lifetime. I would never meet them down here because I had so much work to do to re-raise myself after a very dysfunctional childhood and massive change in my life and doing all this teaching work. Mm -hmm. If I had been with my twin flame, a lot of that would have had to go by the board. 
Same reason I didn't have kids. I was born without the mommy gene. Why? I know very well. In my last life, I was messing around with my, with my husband's best friend, got pregnant. The child was born, stillborn. But I was so distraught about this, and I was a nice Catholic girl in Chicago, that I told the nuns, because uh, this was one of those Catholic hospitals. Uh-huh. And the nuns got together and said, well, God has taken the innocent child to his bosom. But then when I got childbed fever, sepsis, like Bill Clinton's got now, the nuns decided this was God's judgment on me and I was left to die in pain, filth, and agony. Is it any wonder that you asked me to get pregnant in this lifetime and I break out in a cold sweat? No. Mm -hmm. So that's why I was born without the mommy gene. I didn't need to relive that. This time I have other things to do. Right. Okay. So past lives are not like um, velvet painting. It's more like the Sistine Chapel. There's so many tiny things and so much you could learn from them. So I want to ask you a question. I'm going to try and explain it well. <laughs> okay. Hit me. <laughs> so I had spoken to somebody at one point, another psychic at one point who had explained past lives to me in that time is not linear. And so, okay. So she, the way she was describing it is that basically you have all of these lives and technically simultaneously, they're all coexisting. Is Very that possible. feel accurate to you or? I don't have enough of a brain pan to tell you whether, you know, people say, are you sure? No, <laughs> I may be hooting out of my hat, kids. None of us are going to know till we're dead. Right. That's but what my grandma always what, said. <laughs> yeah. But this, you got a smart grandma. I know. This is what makes sense to me now. You know, how do I know these things? Uh, the very first past life I ever had to deal with was, um, this is way back in the 80s. I had a crush and I didn't do crushes on the member of a Philadelphia rock band. First time I saw him, it's like, he should be mine. What's this nonsense? <laughs> um, and so I was doing some work with someone and we kind of figured out who everybody was, except for him. I had done some regression work and I knew that it was I saw him in, in, in 18th century Scotland about which I know nothing. And the message I got was that I was the local round heels. He was the Lord, you know, messed around with me when he wanted to. When I got pregnant, I tried to blackmail him. He sent one of his major retainers to bribe me to leave. When I said, no, I wouldn't leave. They drowned me. The kid killed me and the kid. Okay. And the major retainer was in the rock band with him, interestingly enough. So we had all of this, but we didn't know who this major person was. And I was sitting with a friend over Linguini and Clam Sauce at a main, uh, mainline seafood restaurant. And all of a sudden in my head, I heard Marcus Barron, Gordon Huntley. I'm thinking, why two titles? That makes no sense. But what do you do when you have a question about British um, peerages? You go to Debrett's, which is the massive encyclopedia. And I found out that in 1752 was born Alexander, 12th Marcus of Huntley. And in 1784, he was named Baron Gordon of Huntley. Marcus Baron Gordon Huntley. Uh -huh. And I mean, how would I know that? And interestingly, I looked at a picture of me, that World War I pilot mm -hmm. next to the rock star from the 80s Philadelphia band. They could have been twins. Wow. 
So was I just falling in love with me? Who knows? <laughs> or did that face simply trick, trigger something in me so I would redo this? But the interesting thing was, as soon as I realized what was going on, mm-hmm. lost lost the um, infatuation. Aha. Uh-huh. It was like someone unplugged something. So sometimes you wanted to know, can we do something? Yes. Yeah. Yes, we could. Um, in this lifetime, to balance that one, I had to realize he ain't mine. He never going to be mine. Mm-hmm. I have my path. He has his path. And in a sense, we were repeating the little nobody and the royalty because at that point, that band was, you know, everything to so many people. And I was just, you know, one of the fans. Oh, so, yeah. You know, I have gone on with my life. Occasionally I'll see a picture. I mean, he and I are both in our 60s now. He is not what he was back in 1985. <laughs> but then neither am I. Um, and I smile a little nostalgically, but that's all. I got what I needed from remembering that past life and then fine, unplug it. This life is what's important. Uh-huh. Do we ever stop incarnating? Um, when our soul figures it's got everything it needs for this life, you know, to learn, yes. Um, I very much resonate with um, the information that comes from the Michael channels, Michael being a causal entity. And we have grand cycles when we're learning certain things. And after that's done, we may do another cycle or we may just stay upstairs for a while and hang out and be somebody else's spirit guide. Um, okay. I have one client whose father was a very decorated um officer from Vietnam Mm -hmm. who now that he is dead spend a lot of time meeting those soldiers who died from IUDs over in the Middle East you know when all of a sudden you blow up it can be what happened you can feel lost it's it's called you know getting lost in the gray spaces but because he knew what it was to fight in a war that people didn't believe in to die and you didn't know why you were dying. Um, That was his soul's choice to come and be the respectful comforter who had been there and done that. Mm -hmm. So right now that soul is up there doing that. But you gotta remember one thing, our souls are way too big to fit in these little bitty bodies. So while part of it comes down and animates us like, you know, your finger is doing the yellow pages walk. Boy, that dates me. Um, I got that. So I guess it dates me too. <laughs> yeah, you are. Um, or it, think about more like thing in the Adams family because everybody knows that. Um, most of our soul is up there. Even though I had a horrific life with my mother, truly horrific. She and I, most of our soul was up there sharing a bowl of popcorn and watching and commentary, you know, making commentary on what was going on. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Souls are not inherently bad. That is how we view it. Um, Judas, Hitler, my belief is that was probably the same soul who in a very compassionate manner was willing to take on the scapegoat role Hmm. in order for mankind as a whole to learn things. It doesn't mean that I believe that Judas and Hitler were wonderful people, but the soul that animated it was not something that would be found in the dungeons of Lucifer Morningstar. Mm-hmm. In fact, there is no hell. I, I firmly believe there is no hell. What happens, it's very much like 
um, Defending Your Life from Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep years ago. When you go up there, you have to relive your life and you feel all of the wonderful things that people felt around you when things were good. But when you hurt people, when you hated people, et cetera, you have to feel the agony and the confusion and the pain and the misery and the rage they felt toward you as if it's yours. Mm -hmm. And then you're done. And you go on that, that life review is where hell happens. If it happens at all. Okay. In this uh, kind of, in this picture that you've painted where we can't fit our, the vastness of our soul into our body. When you use your mediumship skills to connect with people who've crossed over, is that to say that if somebody has already reincarnated, you can still talk to a part of them that is not in that body? Let's go back to the finger analogy. Fingers can touch. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And remember, um, these are our coats. When I talk to my father, which I do often, he's been dead just about 20 years now, but he was a fabulous physician and cardiologist. And when I do medical intuitive work, especially if it's cardiology related, dad comes in, uh-huh. he puts on the Jerry Dorkin suit for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have talked to that part of my own soul. That was the German home. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't feel like me but we have an innate understanding. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. It's like your finger can touch your foot. They're all part of the same body, but foots and fingers have different purposes and different sensations. And you don't worry about the foot bleeding into the finger. Oh my God, I'm going to have an ankle on my wrist. No, it doesn't happen that way. I know. Yes, I am funny. It, but you know, when you can get people to see things and you make them laugh, their shielding drops and the information gets in a lot easier. Absolutely. And it also helps people understand more because we're talking about a subject that is like potentially really difficult to wrap your brain around for some folks. Um, it, it really is. And, yeah. and, you know, so there's that, even when I do readings, if I'm trying to tell a woman, you've got to, you know, get your boundaries better, blah, blah, blah. How many people say that and how many books? So I have them a little postcard that says, no is a fabulous idea. And I tell them, put it on the fridge. And they do. And they remember. Yeah. Yeah. So where else we going? Um, Well, I had a question which has now slipped out of my mind and I, of course, did not write it down when it popped in. (laughs) Oh, okay. So I know what it was. Um, So when you speak to folks who have crossed over when you're talking to that, that part dead of people. the soul. Say dead people. Dead, okay. Yes. So when you talk to dead people, um, are you aware of whether or not they, they have reincarnated? Mm-mm, because that's not part of the question, unless it is specifically asked. Got it. Uh, when someone wants to talk to somebody, for one thing, I don't um, just fish. There are some people that can do that. My God, the best men, um, medium that I ever knew was the late great Allie Cheslett from up here in Albany, New York. We called her Chatty Kathy of the Dead because she was. You push the button and Allie would not shut up. It just blarred everything out. Um, and we adored her for it. I do it a little differently. Um, I get dog tags. For instance, my father, Jerome Richard Dorkin, who died in 2001 at the age of 80. Notice that doesn't tell me anything about what the life was, just gets me into the energy. And then it's almost like I'm playing charades because I feel myself 
hit my forehead with the heel of my hand if it was a sudden accident. I feel myself minding smoking if they smoked. Uh, my hands clawed my chest and open if there was surgery. See, these are not, it's a rose they love you. But it is one of the reasons why I will not do mediumship other than one-on-one. -on -one. I won't do it in a gallery because I don't censor what comes through. Mm -hmm. And what I say, which would be the key for you on identifying, may not be something you want a public audience to hear. Right. But a past life is very different. Mm -hmm. A past life, it, that was then, this is now. And it's not a matter of somebody calling you on something you're doing now or saying, you know, when I was dying and you did blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. That's, and, and sometimes, more than, more than a couple of times, um, the dead person would come in uh, using ebonics or expletives or something that one should not say in front of an audience and under any circumstances. And it just comes out because I don't censor. And, you know, there are some things that I grew up a nice Jewish kid in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. This face, that coming out of the mouth. Oh, no, 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 no. So, you know, um, that's, that's why for me, mediumship is private, but past lives, somebody else could learn from yours as well. And it may trip trigger something in them about theirs. Mm -hmm. And that I think is very useful in a public setting. I've heard you use that term trip trigger now twice. Can you explain mm -hmm. what that means to you? Think about when you've got um, a trap. Okay. Let's say that you're like my buddy Sumaruchi and you trap barrels. Okay. When the cat goes in, he may knock the branch that's holding it up. He has tripped the trigger and it's closed on. Okay. So a trip trigger is when you reach a crux point and you could go one of two ways. My trip trigger was when I was 16 and I had a very upsetting incident with my mother who called me some pretty horrible things. Mm -hmm. And I had two ways to go. I could have said, well, I'm going to prove you wrong and lived a very different kind of life. Or, wow, she must know a lot about me. I don't, I guess I'm really that horrible and live a much different life. And unfortunately I took that second life, mm -hmm. but it was the incident that was the trip trigger that made my decision point. Okay. okay. Got it. Got it. So Corby, I'm curious how people can find you. If they, oh, if they can't avoid me. Are you kidding? <laughs> I am all over the place. Well, you um, said you're doing like a thousand readings a year. So can people make appointments with you? Do they have to book really far can. out? Remember, a thousand people divided by 52 is not so awful. You forget that. Oh, well, yeah. Right? Okay. Fair enough. Um, yes. <laughs> um, That's so, math. That's hard. <laughs> yes. I know. I know. I know. Um, yeah. So there are a couple things I can tell them. Uh, is this going to be going out right away or held back? This is, is going to be, be going out there. This will be going out next week. So this will be um, good. October then I can tell 19th. people. Perfect. Oh, my anniversary. Thank you. Oh, congratulations. Um, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, so how do they find me? You go to my website, corbymitlie.com. You can find me on Facebook, Fire Through Spirit. You can find me. Pinterest, Instagram, Patreon, YouTube, Twitter, Corby Mitlide. And the reason, I'm 
such timing. The reason that I asked you about when this is going out is normally I only do past lives either in galleries uh-huh. or in the very detailed soul plan readings, which are 12 hours of deep trance work and terribly expensive. And I do not recommend them for everybody. That's just, uh-huh. if you have a life challenge, you cannot deal with it. But during the month of October, I always do short 20 minute past life sessions with people. Oh, okay, great. And where they come to me, just like I said, with a phobia, an obsession, a place, a person. Uh-huh. But I only do them through October 31st. And so if you want a past life session with me, then hop to it, Petunias. Go to CorbyMitlai.com, hit request an appointment, and you'll see the October special, and I can do past lives for you as well. Oh, great. So I'm also going to include your website uh, and your Facebook and all that information. In Thank the you. So people spell Mitlide right. Yes. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And sometimes it's just easier to click than search. So always, we'll, always. We'll make it easy. Well, Corby, is there anything else here as we wrap things up that you you feel like we didn't touch on that might be important to say? Or do we touch all the hot points? We we, we pretty much touched all the hot points. Um, The the really high points is, yes, you had past lives. You're not bright enough to get it done in one. If I find a life where you were uh, looked like to be a nasty person, that's only one life. Everybody is a hero. Everybody is a villain. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't get so lost in who you used to be that you're not living now because now is the most important life that you should be concerned with. I love it. Those are all really, really important things. And I, and we, I think we did touch on them, but I appreciate that. The kind of wrap up here of takeaways. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Fabulous. Well, I thank you, Corby. And um, yeah, I I actually look forward to connecting with you at other points. (laughs) I know this was fun. Thank you for being a very engaged, very involved, very listening podcast host because they don't happen all that often either so i well, really you, appreciate it i am a therapist in my other job so uh i got no, the listening thing really? down <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. uh well thank you so much i appreciate your time you're welcome be safe you too Thanks so much for listening to Witch Next Door. If you like what you hear, you can click the anchor support link in the description of this podcast. And if you want to help other people like you find us, you can do that by... You can rate us, you can review us, or you can subscribe. Right? Yeah. And you can do all those things. You could just <laughs> click the little stars, you know, and give us like little some comments. cold stars and a little comment. Yeah. How was this for you? You know, whatever. Love it. I totally love it. it. That way people who are checking out podcasts will be like, hmm, that Veronica and Emily sound like an interesting listen. I think I'll pop over there or wow, they're off the hook. We'll go listen to them. Those people can't stop laughing. This must be so- <laughs> there must be something good here. I could use a good laugh. Yeah. Anyway, so do that, please. We'd appreciate it. It does help other people find our podcast. And uh, and then we also really love to hear from you. So if you have feedback, that's another way to get it to us. Uh, you can also always write us at wisewomanwitchery at sonic.net. Thank you for joining us on The Witch Next Door. Join us next week as we explore more ways to make every day more magical. Can't wait? Visit wisewomanwitchery.com or follow Wise Woman Witchery on Facebook and Instagram 
to stay up to date on all current offerings and be a part of the tribe. All episodes are created by Emily Morrison and Veronica Wade Lewis. Music written and performed by Jean Cornelius.